Chapter 13, Title Records. Title Records is a chapter that talks about public records and public recording of documents. And it's important to understand this chapter because the main obligation of a seller is to give to the buyer marketable or merchantable title. What is that? It's a title that is reasonably free of clouds and defects. Obviously, if you're purchasing property, you want as clear a title as you can before you pay the seller. So the buyer is going to require the seller to give him some form of title evidence, some document that he can look at, that he can review, that will give some report to the condition of title so he can make a decision whether or not it's good title and he'll accept it and pay the seller. So this chapter is about uh, uh, what are those forms of evidences of title and where do they come from, why do we have them, and uh, what is the process uh, that we go through in uh, coming up with marketable title uh, to give to the buyer. And so our public records and uh, are any record uh, where we can put something in there that might affect title to the real property. So there's a number of places that if you're going to search the public records that you're going to have to go to to see if there's any recording there of a document that's going to affect title of the property. The first place we're going to go is the recorder of deeds. And in Illinois, uh, each county that has a population of 60,000 or over must elect a recorder of deeds. There we're going to find transfers of property, deeds, between people. So the first thing you're going to find out is, uh, Mr. Seller, I want you to prove to me that you even own the property. So the uh, title evidence is going to have to show title is in the name of the current uh, owner of the property. Uh, other places are the county clerk's office, the county treasurer's office, city clerks, county collectors, clerks of courts. So we're going to see if taxes have been uh, levied against the property, were the taxes paid? We're going to go and see if any mortgages were on the property. Were those mortgages released? Are they still on the property? And we're going to find out if there's been any court actions against the property that might call for a foreclosure on the property for some reason. So we're going to have investigate all of these different places to, and to uh, find any document that, that affects title to the particular subject property that's going to be conveyed. As far as deeds are concerned, uh, when we put the deed in a public record, the document is going to have to meet, the deed document is going to have to have certain minimum requirements. Uh, first of all, we can't prohibit anyone from recording any document that affects real estate. And the recording, therefore, is the act of putting in the public record a document. And uh, there can be no uh, agreement that prohibits any individual from recording, putting in the public record, uh, his interest uh, in any parcel of real property. So if we're talking about deeds, uh, as far as deeds, on that warranty deed or special warranty deed or quick claim deed, we have to have these minimum requirements. The grantor's name must be printed or typed. We have to have the address of the grantee. Notice we don't have to have the grantee's uh, name, 
as much as we have to have the address of the grantee. So while we will have uh, the grantee's name, they must be named with some reasonable certainty, whatever that means, uh, but the grantee doesn't have to sign the deed. The grantor does. And we have to have the name and the address of the preparer of the deed. We have to have the property tax ID number for the deed. And if you take the address of the grantee and the tax ID number, the reason why we have the address of the grantee is now we know after the deal's over where to send the tax bill. We'll have the tax ID number so we know what property's in question. We know what property tax is going to affect that property. And now we know where to send it after the closing takes place. So that's why we have the address of the grantee. Uh, other requirements is we can have the common address of the property, but we should have the legal address of the property. Uh, we should have a place for our uh, transfer tax stamps, if you will, the recording stamps. We need a completed transfer declaration. That's the form that we fill out that tells us how many transfer tax stamps we need. That should be attached to the deed so we know that we have the appropriate amount of transfer tax stamps on the deed. We should have proof of payment of any municipal transfer tax stamps. So those all have to be paid. We do have those state transfer tax stamps that you have to know about. You do not have to know about the transaction taxes. Sometimes buyers pay uh, transfer tax stamps as well. We just need to know the seller's taxes. But in real life, be aware that in some municipalities, the buyers may also have to pay transfer tax stamps, and all those have to be paid before the deed can be recorded. There are two kinds of notice. There's constructive notice, which is the actual act of recording a document, and then there's um, actual notice, which is where you know of uh, the particular uh, uh, document. So while constructive notice, we assume that everyone knows that when a document is recorded, we constructively know that everybody has been given notice. But actual notice is a little different. That's where a person actual actually knows that a document's been recorded. Uh, the other purpose for actual notice is what you're supposed to do as a buyer then is not only go to the public records where you've been give, given constructive notice of the records, but technically, Mr. Buyer, you're supposed to go onto the premises of the property and by actual notice, see who's, what parties are in possession of the property and what rights they have. So technically, Mr. Buyer, you are served with constructive notice when you, look, when you go through the public records and you're served with actual notice when you knock on the door and there's a party in possession. You need to find out uh, what uh, to the, what extent they have rights in the property. The history of title of the property is sometimes called the chain of title and it's the complete history of all the recorded events that affect title to property. So we see one link in the chain leads to the other link of the chain leads to the other link of the chain. Uh, sometimes the chain of title is called the grantor-grantee indexes. So there is this unbroken chain of one party to another uh, and you don't want to take title, Mr. Buyer, unless all the links are completed. If there's a break in the link, there isn't a link from one party to the other, you need to file a suit to quiet title, Mr. Seller, to fill that chain 
or the buyer isn't going to take title. A title search is the actual examination of the public records and a, purport, a report is prepared and the seller then delivers the report to the buyer who looks it over or gives it to his attorney to look over to see whether or not that through that title search uh, we have a good or clear title. An abstract of title is a little different. An abstract of title is like a history book of all the recorded events of the title. We don't use that too much in Illinois. There are some rural areas in Illinois that use abstracts. Along with the abstract should go an attorney's opinion. M most, 90% of all real estate transactions deal with title searches and a report that is prepared. So marketable title is what the seller needs to deliver and that title has to be reasonably free of clouds and serious defects and there's no doubtful questions and it doesn't expose the purchaser to any litigation. So you will give the buyer either a certificate of title, an abstract and attorney's opinion, or a title insurance policy, Mr. Seller. Typically we don't use certificates of title in Illinois. Typically we don't use abstracts and attorney's opinion. Typically what the seller is obligated to give the, to the buyer is a title insurance policy, the title insurance company having investigated the public records and assuring the buyer that title is reasonably free of clouds and defects and he may proceed with the sale. So typically the seller is going to give the buyer a title insurance policy. These title insurance policies are sort of like a policy of insurance on the title, sort of like the health of the title to real estate. They're issued by title insurance companies. The title insurance policy issues the insured, which is now going to be the new, is going to be the uh, title itself. The owner is insured and therefore the, uh, the new policy uh, owner being the purchaser is going to be insured against defects in title, including forged documents, conveyances of incompetent grantors, and incorrect marital state, uh, statements. So the title policy is, is, is issued to the owner, and the owner then, and the title policy is going to cover that property. So the owner pays for it, it covers the parcel in question, and then is delivered to the purchaser as evidence that the title is good title and it has been insured by a title insurance company. Subrogation says that after the purchaser purchases the property, if in fact there is a defect in title, and that causes loss to the buyer, the title insurance company will come in and pay the buyer off, the new purchaser off, as the policy will explain to them. And then by right of subrogation, the title insurance company then can turn around and whoever it was that caused the loss, the title company can go and sue subrogation by subrogation basically means they can stand in the buyer's shoe now, take on the rights that he would have to sue the person that created the defect, and then hopefully, you know, uh, uh, reimburse themselves money from the person that caused the title insurance company uh, their loss that they in fact have now paid or reimbursed the new buyer for. There are basically two policies in a real estate transaction. There's an owner's title insurance policy the owner or seller buys that pays for the buyer. The amount of the policy is the amount of the sale price of the property. 
There's another policy called a mortgagee title policy. That's what the buyer-borrower buys for the lender. And the amount of that title policy is the amount of the loan 